Hi, and welcome to the MCBS podcast. It is a different voice, yes, at the opening. Uh, our buddy Jason uh, is not in studio, and it's me, Pete Episcopo, here on a beautiful Wednesday, July 24th, in the beautiful sunny state of Florida at the beautiful Full Sail campus. Uh, in the room with me, we do have a special guest today, but I won't announce him yet. But I, we do have the infamous Woohoo crew with us. In full voice, as always, ready to go. Coffee fueled up, ready to make it happen. So, uh, yeah, today uh, there's just a lot kind of going on. It's like summer, summer's just kind of like in, in a state of flux month where uh, you're kind of changing things or people are on vacation or uh, lots of different things are happening. We, we did come off of a really great month. Uh, I have to kind of throw a shout out, first of all, to Kayla and Brittany for covering the podcast for five whole episodes. They're in the room with us today, so thank you, you guys. Uh, wonderful shows. You can't hear them, but they're, 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 giving, they're doing jazz hands right now. Um, but really, great job. And, you know, coming off of the Hall of Fame, there's still like, you know, there's that kind of drop off, and yet they kind of eased us out of Hall of Fame. So it was a really... Really cool series, and we're almost going to kind of build on that a little bit today. But before we do that, uh, I want to bring Eileen in, who's going to actually start out with a really cool story. Today is uh, a story about the Face app. So what, what, what do we got about that, the Face app? Hi, Pete. So Face app, I think a lot of us saw it blow up on social media um, where people were getting their photos edited to look like how they're supposed to look in 60 years or something like that so you saw like like a lot of young people looking super old um and it was really interesting so a lot of people downloaded the app and then um we came to find out that it was owned by a russian company and everybody lost their minds um <laughs> because you were um when you downloaded the app you agreed to like their terms and services and their privacy policy and it basically meant they were able to use any photo you took um without like your like they were able to use any photo you took on the app um or like a likeness worldwide now do, do they get like uh there's they don't need they own the photo they own the photo yeah, so they don't need your permission. So people then started losing their minds. And um, the Democratic Party was one that got really on top of it. And they actually sent out messages to like through all their campaigns and stuff being because of the 2016 elections and what happened with the Russians, they freaked out. And so they sent that all out. But they so, kind of jumped the gun. So, like, people were just worried about getting their picture used by anybody in Russia that would like to use it for any purposes at all. Exactly. Um, and the other thing is, like, they could turn around and sell it. Um, and since facial recognition is such a big thing, like, they could turn around and sell it to what they described as hostile countries of the United States. <laughs> Um, so they were worried about, like, American citizens not fully understanding what they were agreeing to. Um, but then the news blew up over it and was like, 
don't download this app. It will destroy your entire life. <laughs> like, it's really not that horrible. Your photos are almost everywhere. Most people, there's at least one public photo of your face. So... But they do have a... They technically have rights to the photo, which is interesting. Um, you know what's also interesting is I, I messed around with an app like that. It, uh, like, no, it was like three years ago. So it's just kind of like, to me, it's not necessarily a new app. Like, I remember taking my son's photo and then making him look like he was, like, old. So this is kind of like a rebound of that. Apps like this have existed. It's just people got scared that it was associated with a Russian oh, company. Okay. All it is, though, is, like, it's going through American servers, though. Mm -hmm. um, so they were like... We're literally not doing anything with your photos. And they ended up coming out and saying, like, most of the time, all of the photos are deleted within 48 hours on our servers. Like, once you've taken it 48 hours later, that photo doesn't exist on our servers. It's such a blurry line, though. Because, like, right now, I, mean, I remember I was just reading something the other day where Google is working with the Chinese on um, what they call a Manhattan Project for um, augmented reality. And I'm like, okay. And so it's like wh these lines are getting so blurred and without any kind of oversight, it's like I think you're going to see probably at some point soon uh, where maybe Silicon Valley, instead of just getting dragged in front of a congressional hearing, like there's got to be some sort of conversation going on that's fruitful yeah. between Silicon Valley and and the U.S. So I think it's like within the last couple of years, it's just come to the forefront how much of our like how much of a lack of privacy there actually is yeah. with all of our data and everything. So when we get, when there's news that our data might be getting into the hands of people we don't want it in, people freak out. And I understand, but in the same breath, it's like, how have you not known? Like all of our data is going to just about everyone at this point. So yeah, it's all over the place. I, I don't need an app to look older, by the way. I, I need an app where they can, you know, I'm trying to lose years. So I'm not going to be like, you know, hunting for that app. But that is great information. And, uh, yeah, we can't wait to hear. Uh, the and next episode coming up, you even got an even cooler story about Instagram. So, uh, but Eileen, thanks so much for that. That is really cool. Anything, anything you want to kind of lead out on with that? Do you, do you have the app? No, I didn't download the app. And then... I was like, what? And then I saw everyone freaking out about it. Um, I don't, I just don't care what I'm going to look like when I'm older. Like, I don't want to know what I'm going to look like with I, when I'm older. Yeah. it's If it was an app that said, give me five digits out of your social security number, then I'd be concerned it going over to another country. But it's just uh, me looking older. Okay. Good luck with that. Yeah. Anyway. So thanks so much for that. That was really cool. Um, which leads us to uh, our next segment, which is not going to be a story so much. Well, it will be a story in, in some senses based on maybe some of the questions. But what we're going to do uh, for, the, for this week and then the next show is uh, we have a special guest with us today who is a dear friend of MCBS. And um, so what I'd like to do is bring and welcome Mr. Bob Truitt the program director of the Digital Cinematography Program at Full Sail University. Welcome, Bob. Well, well happy to be here, Pete. <laughs> We're sounding more NPR-ish, aren't we, right now? Yeah, we brought the tone down after the Russians. Um, yeah, so let's be professional. 
Um, no, I, and I wanted to bring Bob in just to, you know, kind of mix it up a little bit. We had these uh, Hall of Fame episodes and, um, you know, just to have uh, some sort of a, a conversation after the Hall of Fame um, that's kind of pointed towards our students, you know, to support them as we always like to do. And so Bob has been such a help to uh, those of you in the MCBS program and associated with it have seen Bob around quite a bit. So um, I guess one of the, the big things I want to start talking about in, in having Bob in-house here is um, what, uh, what kind of drew you around MCBS other than we are geographically near each other in Building 40, but we have very similar kinds of programs. So um, uh, what... How does that sort of work with DCBS and MCBS? Well, all the DCBS students are online students. So there are a lot of similarities in DCBS and MCBS, but you have campus students. So it's also getting involved in a community and working together on common goals. So it's always nice to you know, mentor and help out students, and that's why we're all here. Um, and, you know, we're, we're very much a storytelling uh, kind of program, along with a lot of other things, right? Uh, MCBS students become basically strategists in, in uh, if, if you had a career that you're saying, okay, what do you create? What do you create in MCBS? Well, we make uh, pretty much media strategists, but not just that, right? Because some people go into specified areas of audio or um, uh, social media, all that kind of stuff. So um, what what happens at the end of DCBS? What do a lot of your graduates uh, do or become after they get out of that program? Well, a lot of the students will go on to start their own companies. They've also gone on and worked for other companies, and they'll head up a department. They'll work on independent shorts, movies, TV commercials, music videos, things like that. So a lot of editing skills. Editing, um, well, it's pretty much it's pre-production, production, post. And a lot of that is, we have two programs in MCBS, or two classes. Uh, the video, uh, this, the WooHoo crew in the room can correct me if I'm wrong, but do we have two video classes still in MCBS? We have two, yeah. <clears throat> so uh, a lot of what we do, which is, again, storytelling or branding and things like that, um, how does that roll into digital cinematography? Do you guys focus on the storytelling aspect the same way we would? Or Yeah, there's, it's, it's all about the story. It's all about creating a connection with your audience. So everything that you do, no matter whether it's a commercial or a music video or a documentary, you're still telling a story. So you have to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So dealing with like an MCBS graduate, now you're going to, how do you publicize what you just shot? How do you get people to know and, and attract people, you know, to watch it, viewership? So there's a lot of things that are done on the Internet. So students in the DCBS program would create something, put it up on the Internet, but you have to have a draw. You have to get people to watch it, know where it is. So hence, a media communication student. It's amazing how many students come in to, like, let's say they're thinking film, and then suddenly they go, no, I really would like to be more of a digital storyteller. And then they either find digital cinematography or they find their way into MCBS. So it's, it's, always, been, uh, it's always been quite the uh, path for a lot of students. It's sort of discovery. And another, another great thing about Full Sail is you can make those decisions as you're going through. 
So that's that's really helpful. Um, how did you uh, so your background, which we're going to get more into probably next show, but um, uh, you have a strong editing background and technical background, uh, a Navy guy too, very well world traveled. So how did uh, how did you find your way into media? Oh, let's see. Well, when I, w- I was in the Navy, so when I was overseas, I was over in Okinawa while I was there. I actually did video production sometimes. I didn't do it all the time, but I did video production, helped set up all the cameras. It was all new technology, pretty much. This is back in the early 80s. So so were you like video toaster era? or? Oh, no. This was, well, it was it was pre that, but this was mainly, I didn't get into editing. So I started out as a cameraman. So after I went through the Navy and then when I went through college, I was, you know, became a videographer. And after that, it's um, a new piece of software came out called you know media composer by avid so there weren't that many people that were using it at first and there was only a couple places on the east coast that you can actually get certified to actually you know be a certified you know person on the on the system so i went through that school up in virginia and as soon as i was done i was editing on things because everybody wanted you because there was so many places that had, you know, facilities that had systems, but there weren't a whole lot of people around that knew how to operate them. So you became, you know, widely known. And a couple years later, I was, I became a um, avid master editor and kept going, kept going, kept going. And I, I had a lot of dealings with avid, Apple, Adobe, and Avid, Avid was being used in uh, mostly television, or was it film? or uh, Film, television, pretty much everywhere. So then you had the offshoots. You had Final Cut that came out several years later, and you had also Adobe Premiere that was coming out. So a lot of them were based on the, you know, the same principle setup, but Avid was the mainstay. Avid was used a lot for long format for for movies. So to a student um, uh, in MCBS, let's say, or a student in digital cinematography, um, from that experience that you had, where uh, I'm assuming you were self-taught then, coming in? Well, I went through the training. Oh, you went through, but before the training, you just had a general interest. Oh, yeah. Well, I went through film school. So uh, what would you say to like a student who is coming in, they kind of have a... a, a feel of, well, I want to tell a digital story. I want to do this, or I'd like to do branding, or I'd like to do that. Um, In terms of the tech, in terms of what we're using, and from your experience, seeing how things change, right? Final Cut used to be so entrenched, then Premiere Pro started really kicking in. So um, what would would a little piece of advice be to a student who's just kind of making their way through learning, let's say, Adobe or things like that, uh, uh, in terms of flexibility? Well, I would say if you're interested in a piece of software or a piece of gear, play with it. See what it can do. Adjust things. See what happens when you make an adjustment. If you're in a piece of software, something like, let's say, After Effects, and you throw something in, in the timeline and you want to see how an effect reacts to it, go from one level of the effect to the top level of the effect. Move that slider bar all the way over and see what happens when you go from one to the other. And now you can start thinking, wow, here's how I can use that. And then over time, you can make those adjustments and see, you know, what happens through, you know, let's say if it was two seconds of, a, of an effect, you can make those adjustments to see 
how it reacts and you know make other adjustments you may throw another effect on play with it use it and you know see how it works don't just rely on someone saying here you know here's how it works play with it you have to get to know it you have to know it forward and backwards so you really need to make time to play totally what i try to say in class <laughs> make time to play you never find time make time to play and don't be afraid of software that's why we do the quick skill stuff right don't be afraid like just gain your confidence by just playing around move the slider do this and that see what it does uh, we're going to be up against sort of a hard uh, close to the show. But before we do that, I really want to give uh, time to some of the Woohoo crew or anyone that's in here that has a question uh, for you uh, this morning. So, uh, Eileen, yeah, you're up there on the mic. So go ahead. Yeah. So my question would be, what has been your favorite story that you have been able to tell through video? Oh, geez. Uh, that's a hard one. I've done hundreds of commercials, <laughs> music videos, a uh, couple films. It's honestly, it's 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 hard. I mean, each one is different. I had a, a great time on a lot of different ones. Some were corporate pieces that were little stories in themselves. So instead of just saying, "Here's the product and here's here's how you use it," a lot of a lot of times we were creating small little stories. So in that story, you saw the usage of it. So there was a lot of a lot of those types. Uh, it's just the projects themselves, meeting the people that are involved in the projects. So it's it's hard to narrow it down to one because each one had its own experience and things that you brought from it. So like I was on a, I was hired to do a movie one time, and it was they gave thirty days to cut the movie. So. And we end, there was only two editors on it, so we decided let's do two people. We were doing swing shifts, so it was working about 18 hours a day. And in that, I had to learn how to use um, Pro Tools. Never used Pro Tools before, but the actual audio person that was syncing all the clips and doing a lot of the mix flaked out after about the first week. And so we couldn't continue to move forward until we had things that were sunk and you know mixed and everything so we can throw it in so one night i spent extra time learned it and then i put everything together so we can put it into the system to continue editing to make our deadline of 30 days well that's um that's really all the time we actually have this week we, we've run out already but we are going to be back on the 31st something i did not say at the beginning of our show by the way um, this is a big day today, the 24th. It is Kayla's birthday today, so a shout-out to Kayla. Happy birthday. Don't be downloading any apps that make you look any older. We like you just the way you are today. Yeah, you don't need that app. And, uh, Can we sing her out? Yeah, let's, you want to sing her out? Let's sing her out. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kayla. Happy birthday to you. What a lead out. Woohoo! Woohoo, crew. All right, we will be back next week on July 31st. Till then, you guys have a great week. Enjoy the beautiful Florida sun or the weather wherever you are, and we will see you soon. Bye bye for now.